0: listening to Women Transcend. I'm Jennifer Todd, and this is a podcast that explores issues that affect women and girls worldwide. Each episode, we dive into a topic and discuss the particular impact on women and girls and how they are able to overcome or transcend. Welcome, friends. If you are a new listener, we are really glad that you found us. If you are a friend of the pod, you probably have noticed that we have some new music and we hope that you enjoy it. We certainly are having fun with it. John, John Philbeck. Yes. How are you enjoying the new music? I'm liking it. Yeah. I'm liking
1: it. I think it sounds good.
0: It's kind of funky. It gives a different sort of feel.
1: A very different feel. Yeah.
0: Mm Yeah. So can I ask you, have you heard the saying it takes a village?
1: Uh of course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um I don't the- know who
1: said it, but <laughs> yeah. I've certainly heard it.
0: Well, here's an I just said it.
1: Well <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, it it comes from an African proverb, but it sort of was introduced into our colloquial speaking Mm -hmm. by Margaret Mead, the Ah. amazing anthropologist Margaret Mead, Mm -hmm. um, who introduced the idea that it takes a village to raise a child. And it's really a powerful and beautiful idea. Hillary Rodham Clinton wrote a book about this entitled Takes a Village. Ah. Really amazing book about raising healthy children and about how it takes more than... Um, one or two parents, so, you know, that communities need to come together to form a network to hold up children, to yeah. hold up families. Right. And I really like that idea. And we, it just seems like we have gotten so far away from from that.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: You know, you go to the hospital, you give birth or you adopt and, you know, you strap the child in the seat and you drive off and, you know, it's kind of like, good luck.
1: Here's your hat. What's your hurry?
0: Yeah. And we're already so socially isolated from each other. This is just the way that the world is moving. We don't have real strong social networks anymore because we're basically either working or we're asleep.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And we spend so much screen time, and I'm not talking about watching TV, but you know we're working. Yeah. And that you know, you don't get to leave your job at work anymore. You you know, if you are spending screen time, it's working. So anyway, my point is, we really could use that village. I think right now for the good of our children, for because children, I think, belong to all of us. Yeah, you know yeah. it's it's in our best interest for everyone's children to be raised. In a healthy environment and to become healthy, functioning adults, right?
1: Yeah. To think about other kids as well as our own and to think about what we can do for other people.
0: Exactly. And to
1: raise kids to learn how to think about other people too.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. So, children are part of that village raising other children or, you know, help caring for for the the littler ones, or looking out for the little ones being mentors, yeah, so
1: we try to teach kids to take responsibility, and this is maybe one of those aspects of responsibility that we neglect sometimes
0: that that's a good point, but I don't know how we have gotten so far away from and I don't know how else to say this, but it's a public good to have healthy, well-adjusted children, just like it's a public good to have our children educated in good schools. Mm -hmm. But we, you know, we seem to value that more than having strong networks for our kids.
1: It's a kind of investment. Teaching your kids this kind of responsibility is, is an investment for the community.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that when we grew up, it was it was a little bit more like this. I'm gonna date us, but um, you know we we would. We're go of a certain out. age. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes.
0: Now I'm of a certain age. You're, you're just becoming more. I'm aging gracefully. Yes. Yeah.
1: That's what I, that's the way I like to look at it. <laughs> anyway.
0: But um, we would go outside and play, and if we ended up at the neighbors house down the street then you know and we were there at lunchtime they everybody had lunch down the street at the neighbors house and kids just play out in the street and
1: and nowadays it's it's a lot more stay where i can see you yeah you know and yeah. i don't think either one of us is saying you should back off and not have your kids stay where they where you can see them you know but because i think the world has changed to the point where you know it's a, it's a good idea to keep an eye on your kids
0: yeah, and that's but it a, but
1: it has some of these other side effects.
0: Yeah. That's a great point and certainly I wouldn't tell our daughter, you know, just go out and have fun and run around and we'll see you at dinner time. Right. For one, we live in kind of a metropolitan area, so it's just dangerous. Yeah. But we don't even frankly know most of our neighbors, so it's not like I can count on our neighbor to keep an eye out to see if our daughter is doing okay because we don't even know them. Yeah. I, I don't know their names. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of how separate we are from each other. Yeah. And in that environment, we bring children and we raise them in these little silos. And that's even in an ideal situation with you know two parents. But when you talk about broken families... And, you know, I sort of use that term loosely, but where parents are either absent or they're addicts or they're abusive or maybe all of the above, there isn't a system to help those children except for the foster care system. That is the safety net for these children. And our guest today has a phenomenal wealth of information and knowledge on the the foster care system. And you will want to stick around and listen to this interview because it is shocking. Mm. If you don't know about the foster care system, and even if you do, I thought I did, but what these children go through and the lack of support that we as a society give these children it's really shameful. And he calls them the invisible children, and it really seems like they are invisible. So please stick around for our interview with Rob Shear from the nonprofit Comfort Cases. Support for this episode of Women Transcend is provided by Studio Sweden Sound Design. So John, what did, what did you think about the, the Studio earbuds?
1: These are really fantastic earbuds. If you look on their website, um, Studio's website, they have a wide variety of models. They have the over-the-ear models, they have in-the-ear models. We got the in-the-ear models. They're just really attractively packaged. They look really stylish. They come in a lot of different colors. But beyond that, the sound is just amazing. They fit really comfortably in your ears. They block a lot of sound from the outside. And the bass response is really amazing. You're not going to get to wear them much. I'm just going to tell you that.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, dang it. I really like the fit. They're very comfortable. And I tend to find that earbuds aren't that comfortable for me. I don't know if I have like tiny ear canals or what, but...
1: They don't fit well for They don't for fit you.
0: well, yeah. These fit really well and I also love that they come with replacement covers because after you you listen to them a couple times a day for a few hours a day they start to get a little yeah. nasty and it's time to switch those out and Studio comes with the replacement covers.
1: They are designing this with you in mind and that's a great example <laughs> of it.
0: Yeah. And if you order now with the promo code women transcend 15 you can get 15% off of your purchase. In the month of October, Studio will donate 10% of their profits on all of their products to the Pink Ribbon Foundation. So if you're in the market for some new earbuds or headphones, try Studio Sweden and remember the promo code
1: Women Transcend 15.
0: Coming up next is my interview with Rob Shear from the nonprofit Comfort Cases. Welcome to Women Transcend, Rob.
2: Hi Jen, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's really great to have you join us for this discussion. This is something that that hits me personally because when I was growing up, I had dozens and dozens of foster sisters and brothers we are going to be talking about foster care system and um, how little people really know about it. And um, you are the person to talk to. So I appreciate you joining us for this important discussion. So how do children in this country generally end up in the foster care system?
2: Well, you know, throughout the United States, we have a little over 428,000 children in our foster care system, and every state is different. So we do not have any blanket that covers every state. And we're all the same. Every state is different. So you can get end up in foster care because of neglect. Um, you can end up in foster care because of a death in the family. You can end up in foster care because of abuse. But about 98 percent of the kids that enter foster care end up entering foster care in the back of a police car. And that's probably one of the hardest things for a child.
0: Oh, yeah. I can't imagine how frightening that is Um, because we're not talking necessarily exclusively about teenagers. No, it's all ages.
2: Yeah. Foster care. Again, every state is different, but we are looking from newborn um, all the way up to some states we actually have gotten them to go to the age of 20. I still think that is way too young to for a child to be out of the the foster care system but you know it's from newborn to let's say 20
0: yeah and you mentioned that that states do it differently you know we're a federation of states and that's how things work that also frightens me because let's be honest there are some states that have, stronger social safety nets than others, which I would think has to th- therefore mean that there are some systems that are doing a better job at this than others.
2: You better believe it. And I have had the opportunity to talk to most at least one person connected to the system in every single state and it is horrifying to me the difference that every state has and just like you said it's the safety net you know this entire industry and by the way it is an industry it's they're making money on the backs of children because it's done so differently in so many different states no one has any checks and balances You know, you you look at just the statistics alone of the number of kids that go into foster care and then go to college. It's only three percent. Oh. So only 3% of kids in foster care will go and graduate at a four-year college. That is unacceptable. If that, if that no. <laughs> Let me tell you, if that happened in my school district, in your school district, in any school district in the United States, we would be having the superintendent's head on a platter. Yes. If only 3% of the kids in high school went on and graduated college. But we have allowed this number in the foster care system year after year after year after year. And nobody's talking about it. Yeah. You know, no one is talking about it. And the reason they're not talking about it is because if you start talking about it, then you start realizing there's a problem. Yeah. I I have people in the foster care system who have come to me even recently and said, I talk too much. I, I point too many things out about what's wrong and not all the things that are right. The problem is I can't find what's right. You know, I know that there are some hardworking social workers who are overworked and their caseloads are way too high, but we've got to set that aside and look at, at the end of the day, this is about kids. It's about the kids. And these children, you know, they are truly our future. You know, I, I do quite a bit of research looking at, you know, what can we do as a a country, you know, and people will say, oh, the system's a little broke or the system's broke. Let's make it this perfectly clear, Jen. The system is not broke. When something is broke, you know, I tell my four children, you know, bring daddy the super glue and we can put it back together. But when something is shattered, it must be rebuilt. Uh And our system is shattered from the ground up. It is shattered.
0: Yeah. And just in thinking and preparing for our talk, I was doing just refreshing. I'm familiar with the foster care system, but I just went on, you know, the internets and I googled foster care FAQs. And probably the top 20 hits that came up were about income requirements, like the minimum income I need to make in order to bring in a child as a, a foster child. And as you pointed out, how can then, I mean, it's hard to get away from the fact that it's an industry. And certainly making money isn't the only exclusive reason that people would take in children, but it sure makes it seem like that's the angle that they're taking.
2: So I will tell you that I have been blessed to meet some amazing foster parents who have done exactly what they should be doing, which is parenting a child. So first of all, why do we have to label everyone? Why must we label these children? Children, I have actually seen looks on children's faces when people have said, these are my biological children and this is my foster child. Uh Uh-huh. Why yeah. do we have to isolate them? Why do we have a child in a school where people say he's a foster child? We are isolating them. Yeah. We are already pushing them down mm-hmm. and pushing them below other children. So one, there is no income requirement to be a foster parent. OK, so we see lots of places throughout the United States that this is people are making money. So we're going to talk about the state of Maryland. So where the average child that comes into a home who is what they call non-therapeutic, which is, means this child does not have an IEP, does not have any, you know, um, mental disorders, that has been diagnosed, even though that is very few and far in between children, because if they are therapeutic children, they get more money. So these are non-therapeutic kids who come into a home immediately off the bat, they get roughly about $943 given to the foster parents. There's no questions asked, by the way. So let's be very frank about this. No one is coming and asking for receipts to see whether or not you're buying items for this child. Uh After that, they get medical insurance. They get free dental. They get free eye. They get free daycare. If they're under the age of five, they also get WIC. They also can actually apply for Section 8 housing. So there's all of these things that they can get. So you're looking, if you do the math alone, you're talking roughly about thirty-six dollars to $40,000 per child per year. It's crazy. Wow. When I see kids in the system who are going from home to home carrying a trash bag, mm-hmm. when I see kids in the system who are aging out with not a penny in their pocket, yeah, mm-hmm. that's not acceptable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know,
2: it, it's it's it to me. It's absolute disgraceful as a country. And you know, one of the other statistics that just came out is that children in foster care suffer from post traumatic stress disorder twice the rate as our combat veterans who come back from the front line.
0: Wow. Okay. That let's say, can you please horrific. say that again?
2: I will. That children that are in foster care they suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder twice the rate of our veterans who are coming back from the front line this is a proven fact look up the casey foundation they are amazing they do so much research about kids in foster care and when i read this and even just saying this to you now just got chills Uh you know i was a veteran i was in the military I understand what these brave men and women do to fight for our country, but to know that our children who are in the system and aging out are suffering twice the rate of post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh And I've seen veterans who come back suffering from that. This is horrific. Yeah. And we're, we're not talking about it.
0: And we don't have the network of support system in place like veterans do. And rightfully they should. But where's the, you know, where is the, the VA for these children? There's and none. Adults? Yeah, exactly.
2: There's none. You know, so, so, so let's, look at a, let's look at a child at the age of 20. And by the way, they're a child. Yeah. I don't care whether they're able to fight for our country and vote. They are a child at the age of 20. And especially someone who's gone through the traumatic experience that most of them have gone through. Uh-huh. So at the age of 20, all of a sudden, they are given their trash bag. And they are literally put out on the street. That happened to me at the age of 18. Uh I was a senior in high school and became homeless because I aged out of the system. And there was no safety net. There is no safety net for any of these kids, Uh you know. I talked to a, a a young girl just last week who she is ready to, to enter her senior year and go hopefully off to college. And I said, you know, how exciting. And she said, but when I go to college, where would I, where am I going to go when the college closes at winter break? Yeah. See, they can't see past that. They mm-hmm. can't see past the fact of, I'm homeless. Yeah. You know, and because to them, there is no net. And that's just not fair to these children that, by the way, these are our children. Oh, yeah. They're not those kids. Mm -hmm. These are our kids. Uh You know, I hear people say to me all the time, well, I didn't bring them into this world. But you know what? Let's talk about their tax dollars. I hear people say all the time, oh, we spend all this money building penitentiaries. Okay, last year alone. We incarcerated 1.6 million. 1.2 are connected to the system. We have to keep building prisons. Well, why don't we build a better structure for these children to have a better avenue? See, I say this. There's no such thing as a bad child. There's only a child that needs to be redirected. And when a kid who's in foster care ages out, and all of a sudden they realize that they don't have a roof over their head. They don't have any food in their stomach. What is the thing that they do? They commit a crime. Yeah. They commit a crime because they have to protect themselves. Uh-huh. So guess what? I'm going to go to jail because I'll get a roof over my head. Exactly. I'm going to yeah. get three meals in my, in my stomach. I'm going to get a structure that I've been put in this box for all these years as it is. And then we blame them. Uh-huh we should be looking at our own selves in the mirror and blaming ourselves because we failed them.
0: Yeah. So just to clarify, when you talk about aging out, generally children, once they reach either the age of 18 or 20, they no longer qualify for the benefits that you described before. So they essentially, if they're in, they're placed in a a foster home, that family says, okay, you're, you're 18. It's time for you to move out. But that's when they become homeless.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and let me tell you, every state again, every state is different. Some states are better than others. Some states they have case managers, but let's talk about that child again who turns let's say 18 and they've been in the system for 7 years, okay? So for seven years, they've had a social worker visit them no less than twice a month, supposedly. They've had a attorney visit them at least once a month, supposedly. They've had people constantly for seven years let them know how different they are. They've gone to court probably more times than all of us combined in a lifetime in a seven-year period, because they go back to court about once every six weeks. So all of a sudden they turn 18. And they have felt like we have put this cap on top of them and have told them what they do, where they go, where they live. And then all of a sudden they know that cap can be popped off and they can run. They're going to run. Yeah. They're going to run. And they're going to run because we have not made it better for them. See, I want kids in care to realize that we are there as a support for them. I don't want to say these are kids in foster. I want them; these are kids who need care right yeah. now. Uh-huh. We all need care sometime in our life, some more than others, and so we have to make sure that they realize that this is not a sentence for them to be in care. This is not for them to realize that this is making their future. And the problem is, is that. You know, they have so much negativity during their time in foster care. And by the way, it's time to them. Been there, done that, Mm -hmm. have spoke to thousands of kids. It's time. It literally is like a jail sentence to them. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden they turn 18, they're out on their own. Because they think that that's a hell of a lot better than what they've been dealing with for the last seven years. You know, they feel guilty. They feel guilty. You know, I talked to a, a young man who, you know, 13 years old, who probably could get adopted, but he feels such guilt that he let his family down. He he let his mother down, even though she was the one who chose to do drugs uh-huh. and she was the one who didn't do anything to help get her him back. But he refused to be adopted because he just felt like, you know, that's his mom. Yeah. My sure. heart- broke for this little boy uh-huh. because he had the weight of the world on his shoulder that this was his fault.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, we're talking about children. They may enter the system very young or, or not, but still um, they lack the sophistication to understand. And lots of adults lack the sophistication to understand the dynamics that go on in their family and how they are not to blame.
2: You're, you're exactly right. I mean, and again, it's the support system for the child. So in the foster care system, we have several different things that happen. Number one, when a child comes in, immediately they have a goal. They, every, each child in foster care has a goal. And the first goal is reunification. That goal is to reunify their, them back with their mother or father their siblings their you know it, maybe it's a kinship a great but that's the first goal so what happens is from my experience and from what i see um and by the way i can only go by from my experience and in the and the people that i've spoken to the Thousands and thousands and thousands of emails and messages and calls that I've gotten from foster parents, foster children, aged out kids, kids that are that are under 18. You know what what happens is we're focusing on getting that mom or dad clean, getting them to be better parents and the kids are just sitting in limbo. Uh huh. And every week the parents get a visitation, an hour visitation. Most of the times it's supervised. Parents don't show up half the time and we keep dragging those kids along. And then all of a sudden a year goes by and the Judge comes in and mom and dad are signed a, uh, signed a judge from the, the state or the county. The child has a I mean has an attorney. The the parents have an attorney. The the there's an attorney there for child and family services. So all these attorneys are getting paid by the government. And they are all sitting there saying, okay, now what we're gonna do is we're gonna change the goal from reunification slash adoption. We're going to tell the parents, OK, you've got you got another six months. You need to get your act together. And again, the, the parents, attorneys who, by the way, are paid by our tax dollars are fighting for those kids to get back with their parents. And by the way, there are many times as a system we are wrong for taking children away from parents. Uh-huh. There are many times that children are taken away from parents and that is absolutely damaging because it wasn't correct. Because one person holds the power. That is not the way the system should work. And so but what happens is these children are strung along and two years go by. And then all of a sudden they're now 11 and 12 years old and mom and dad haven't gotten clean yet. And, you know, nobody's come knocking on the door wanting them. And then they end up what I call the invisible child. Mm -hmm. That is the child who the parents have already gone beyond the time that it let me tell you, if a parent is going to get their children back, if they really want their children back, they're going to pull up their pants and start doing what they need to do. And what they need to do is get off the drugs, go to a drug rehab. By the way, I can tell you right now, the states pay it. The states pay it. They go to rehab. The states will pay for them to get clean. The next thing that they have to do is they have to take parenting classes. Let me tell you something. There are lots of people who have given birth to children who still need parenting classes. Yes. Yeah. The next thing they have to do is they probably need to take what they call anger management classes. Maybe there's a reason why their child has come in there. But whatever the, that what I feel a group of people should decide, not just a judge, Not just a social worker, but people that truly have a vested interest in the child, in the child, mind you. Mm -hmm. If by 12 months you haven't gotten yourself together, we're done. No child should ever be stuck in limbo because we as a system or we as a supposedly, quote, adult can't make the right decisions. You know, Uh I understand that drug addiction is a disease. I get it. I understand that alcoholism is a disease. I get it. But I also know there is a way to get yourself clean if you truly want to be clean. Uh I also know that if you have abused a child, you know what? I'm telling you, there's some things that we as a country have got to say no more. We cannot allow this. Mm -hmm. You know, I can give you an example in my own home where my unbelievable, amazing, kind, generous, loving son came into the system because his mother shook him so hard he had bleeding of the brain. Ugh. They then, eight months later, gave him back to her. He then entered the system again six months later with three broken ribs. Yep, mm-hmm where were we yes. from this boy? where were we for him there should have been constant supervision yeah my son will be scarred for the rest of his life because of this
0: do you think that part of this is because we sort of as a society view children as the property of parents
2: yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Amen to that. It is exactly what we think. They, We think they're property. We think we own them. And to me, that's just, that's horrific. Yeah. You know, and again, we all stumble. I, I truly believe that. I mean, we all deserve forgiveness. We all have rough times in our lives. I may tell you, I get it. Mm-hmm. Probably get it more than most of your listeners. Okay. Mm-hmm. Totally understand that. But when is there a time that it's no longer about us, but about the child? Uh And I truly believe that one year is a sufficient amount of time for a parent to get their act together. Uh If you have not gotten your act together in one in 12 months, you lose your parental rights. Yeah. Let me tell you something. We used to have to go to the judge and ask the judge if we could cut our children's hair. In foster care. And they would then go to the um, the parents who, by the way, either abused them or was doing drugs. Uh-huh. I have a son who has fetal alcohol syndrome and would say to the parents, is it OK if the foster parents cut their hair? And the parents would say no.
0: Oh, and the judge gosh. would
2: say, OK. And the judge would come back to our attorney, who, by the way, we paid for. Uh-huh. That's another thing that we'll get into if you have time. We paid for our attorney. And you know what? I took a second mortgage on my home to make sure that we had an amazing attorney to adopt our four children. But I will say, it blew my mind when my attorney would stand there and say, you're telling me we cannot cut these boys' hair? You know, nope. Well, why not? Because we said so. Ugh. We decided we wanted to take the kids to Disney World. We were going on a family vacation. And by the way, I made it perfectly clear in courts at every single time, which we never missed a court hearing, even though we weren't required to be there as foster parents. But we went to every single hearing. And I made sure that they knew that, by the way, we were parents to these children now. And whether they stayed with us for a month or a year or six months or two years, we were their parent. So Uh what do you do with children? You take them on vacation. Yeah, yeah. We take them on a family vacation. So we went to our attorney and said, we want to take the kids to Disney World. And he says, that's not allowed. I said, what do you mean it's not allowed? He says, you can't take the kids 50 miles out of the state without permission from, again, the parents. Uh huh. So back to court we go. Parents' attorneys are there. By the way, the parents didn't even show. And the- Judge asked the mother and the father's attorneys about going to Disney World. And the attorney said, we've spoken to our clients and they do not want their children to go to Disney World. The judge said, why? And they said, because they don't want them to experience something like that without them.
0: (laughs) But
2: the judge then looked at them and said, and by the way, this is all court transcripts. The judge looked at them and said, this is one time I'm going to overrule this and I'm going to allow them to take these four children to Disney World. I remember my husband and I crying.
0: Yeah, because I, I'm speechless. we we
2: were so excited that our four children were going to have a vacation of a lifetime and we went for 10 days to Disney World. And then we come back and the social worker says to us, "Do you guys you guys probably need Respa right now." Do you know what Respa is, Jen? No. Oh, let's talk about the hidden secret that no one talks about in foster care. Yeah, please.
0: Respa. Respa
2: it's so if you have a child in foster care and you are a foster parent, you get every month RESPA. And what RESPA is, is that your the foster child that is in your home can be taken away for a couple of days, for a week, to give you what they call a break. Because sometimes you just need that break, they say. I was horrified. Yeah, I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> I said, what, why in the world would I allow you to take our children for a long weekend? And she says, well, because you guys have been together for 10 days and don't you and Reese need, I said, this is ridiculous. I said, so I start investigating and finding out that every state has RESPA. And that not only do you have RESPA as a foster parent, but if you adopt a child out of of foster care, you continue to get RESPA. What? And so I can actually call the state and say, hey, by the way, recent and I want to go on a little vacation, come and get my four kids for yeah. a couple
0: of I'm, I'm that getting that sick of them. Absurd. I need a break. Yeah, what What message does that give to the child other than their burden?
2: So I start asking foster parents, oh yeah, we've used it. Oh yeah, we've gone on vacation with our bio kids and <sighs> this our foster child goes to RespiCare. <sighs> I just and like this... And I ask people, why why aren't you talking about respa? Well, why do we need to talk about it? Because we, as a society, needs to know why these children are so damaged. Uh huh. They're damaged because we have done again to them. We have made them different. Uh huh.
0: And for a life that is already wrought with instability, that's just one more point uh, that there's shifting sands in every harbor
2: like I said, it breaks my heart. It's, you know, the system is beyond broke. It is shattered. Um,
0: And the kids and some of the kids come out, there for shattered.
2: Yeah, they do. Uh, Again, you just you look at, you know, only 3% go go on to a four year college, you know, that our judicial system is full. I mean, I mean, you know, post traumatic stress disorder, you know, 70% of all girls that are in foster care are going to be pregnant by the time they're 19. They're going to be pregnant. Let's wow. talk about why they're pregnant. Yeah. They get pregnant, not because they lay on their back and spread their legs. They get pregnant because no one has shown them how to respect themselves. Uh-huh. No one has shown them how really unconditional love works. And so what they think in their mind, and I've spoken to these young ladies who have thought in their mind, if I have a baby, that baby will love me. Yeah, That baby is mine. Uh huh. No one can take me from that baby. Yeah. So they have a baby. And Uh it's babies having babies and the system and the cycle continues on. You go back and you look at they were in foster care. Their parents were in foster care. Their grandparents are. I mean, it's a cycle. And by the way, let's make something very clear. This is not a race thing. There are more white kids in foster care than black kids. This is not something that is only for black families. This is not something that's just happening in our inner cities Mm -hmm. either. This is happening all over the United States. Uh It has no color boundaries. It has no income boundaries. It has the fact that these are children who we have called the invisible kids Uh because we're not talking about them.
0: Yeah. Now, you started a nonprofit called Comfort Cases. Can you talk about what was the impetus for starting that?
2: So, um, yes, I we, you know, f- almost four years ago in November, um, my husband, Reese and I, we started a charity called Comfort Cases. And what we were doing was we wanted to have our four children give back um, to teach them that it is an absolute privilege to give. Give back to our community. And one of the things that we started talking about was that everybody was giving toys, but we're really making a difference in a child's life. And so my husband and I and some some really close friends of mine were talking, and we realized that, you know, we start talking about the trash bag. The trash bag that I had carried, you know, 40 years ago, the the trash bag that all four of my children arrived with. See, my kids had been in several other foster homes before they entered our home, and they entered with trash bags. My daughter did not have a new toothbrush. Yeah. She had not ever brushed her teeth. Yep. She was four years old. She had eight cavities at the age of four. Uh-huh. And so we decided that, you know what, let's let's put together some cases for kids in foster care, and let's put a brand new pair of pajamas with a tag on it. Let's make sure that we put a toothbrush We want to put a bar of soap. We want to put lotion, shampoo, conditioner. We want to put a book because the color of our skin doesn't separate us. It's our education level. We must get kids to love to read. I remember as a homeless teenager, I would go to the public library and I would read every book I got my hands on because I wanted to escape. I could escape when I would sleep in the abandoned bathroom. I would have my library book and I would read a book because I could escape. Uh And I want these kids to have that book. We also want to make sure that we give them a blanket. And the reason we give them a blanket, how we started out with that, is that I had promised my kids as we settled around to make these comfort cases that we would put a blanket in every case and not to keep the children warm. But to make sure that every time a child wrapped themselves up in one of these blankets, they knew that as a community, we love them. Yeah. As a community, we cared about them. But most important, they knew as a community, we wanted them. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to do that and we put together a couple of hundred cases and, um, you know, and thought that would be it. And somebody asked me to come and give a speech and tell my story. And I had started telling my story about, you know, growing up in foster care and, you know, now having four kids that we had adopted out of foster care and making something of myself, even when everybody thought that I was going to be a statistic and now giving back to what I feel is my community. And someone heard me give a speech and they came to me and they said, you know, we really feel that you need to start a nonprofit. And I was like, are you kidding me? I'm, my husband and I are trying to raise four kids. I have a full-time job. And so, you know, we jumped into it and started a nonprofit called Comfort Cases. And since then, not only have we given locally to um, children in foster care, but we have given to over 24 states, and we've given almost 30,000 cases out to wow. children in foster care. Uh-huh. And you know what? It's not just about the case. It's about what you and I are doing right now, Jen we're talking about. Yeah. It. And mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, that's why we're doing what we're doing is because we want to talk about it. We want people to pull the shades away from all of this and let's have raw discussions of how we're going to rebuild this system.
0: Uh-huh. Wow. So gosh, this is so powerful and I'm so glad that we're having this conversation so if somebody is moved to action by your powerful words, what are one or two things that you would suggest that they do?
2: Number one, visit our website, comfortcases.org. I'm looking for an absolute army to help me make sure that we can rebuild this system and we've got to stop talking about it and we need to do it. Uh-huh. And that means in your own community, you know, I hear people say to me all the time, well, you know, I go to your charity, your webpage and, and I don't really have any money to give. Oh, that's fine. I'll give you many ideas of how you can give back to your community with children in foster care. Number one, stop pretending you're going to read all those books that are on your bookshelves Take those books off and donate them to the local place where they have kids in foster care. Okay? That's Mm -hmm. number one. Number two, when you go on your next trip, stop using the shampoo and the soap and the lotion. Save those little travel sets. You know, we can make toiletry kits for kids in foster care for their first night. Mm -hmm. Instead of going to Starbucks and buying that big coffee you're going to buy, go buy a pair of pajamas. Mm -hmm. Only takes one pair. Yeah. Send them to us. Uh You know, those are things you can do. You don't you're not able to be a foster parent because we need really good foster parents, really good parents. Uh-huh. We need homes. You know, I hear social workers say, oh, we're short beds. No, we need homes. Yes. You know, you can't do that. Let me tell you, there is every single county has a group home for kids in foster care. Uh-huh. Every single county. Yeah. Go volunteer at one. Mm-hmm. Go sit and read a book to a child. Yeah. Go shoot basketball with one of those children. Just go be. There. Mm-hmm. Those kids are gonna say, I don't want you. Uh-huh. I don't like you. Yep. I don't want you around me. They'll cuss at you. Yep. You're gonna look at them and do what I say all the time. You're gonna look at them and say, you know what? I understand how you feel. But guess what? I love you. Uh-huh. I care about you. And I'm gonna make sure that you're on a path to succeed. We have to instill that in our foster children. We want to put them on a path to succeed. So visit comfortcases.org. Help me build this army to make sure that we rebuild the shattered system.
0: Yeah. And I'll just add here that I had a comfort cases drive at work and it was great. And it was a way to sort of bring coworkers together. And so that's one way that you might want to get involved in this very important issue and movement. You could have a Comfort Cases party at your house and invite your friends and say, bring a Comfort Case. Here's what we suggest you put in it. And then be in contact with Comfort Cases through their website. Or you can email me and I'll put you in touch with them. But it's really very simple to get involved. And it feels really good because it does make a difference.
2: makes a huge difference. And I tell people all the time, It truly, truly makes my heart smile when I see us as a community doing what we were community was built for. See, people think all the time that community was built for all of our houses to match and our bushes to be the same size. No, our forefathers built communities for us to take care of each other. And we have forgotten that along the way. And it doesn't matter whether you're listening to this podcast in Dallas, Texas, or you're in Darnstown, Maryland. We are all part of the same community. We have to get back to that. Yeah. That's what's going to change. Yeah. That's what's going to change our country is when we get back to why we built communities. Yeah.
0: And taking care of our most vulnerable, which are our children. You're right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience and your wealth of knowledge on this topic and to help us understand better this issue that this is an issue that we really need to be talking about and hopefully we can get a couple of people to start some conversations after listening to this because i i know that i'm going to be thinking about this more <laughs> um and this is an issue that i'm close to so i appreciate you sharing your time and your passion And I really do hope that if you're listening, that you're moved to make a difference in a child's life.
2: Well, Jen, I thank you so much. And again, any of your listeners that are looking to make a difference in a child's life, you know, please visit comfortcases.org. And I hope everyone has an amazing day.
0: Great. Thanks so much. A quick shout out and recommendation if you are shopping for a new podcast, not to replace this one, another podcast, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. If you remember the show Will and Grace, that kind of sarcastic, witty banter, this is the show for you. It's a great team. They have a lot of fun. I think that you'll enjoy it. So shout out to Somewhere Over the Rainbow podcast. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Women Transcend. If you enjoy our podcast, an easy way to help support us is to tell one friend about our show and how you found us grab their phone and subscribe if you have to please don't forget to subscribe yourself to our podcast so you can be sure you won't miss an episode because it will automatically show up in your podcast player a big thanks to rob Shear for today's interview and to john philbeck for doing all of the fabulous sound artistry so that we sound so good Tweet us at Women Transcend or follow us on our Facebook page. We always enjoy hearing from you. That's all for this episode.